M A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Welcome to Main Menu for October 14th, 2011. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week we visit with David Woodbridge of Vision Australia about iOS 5 and iPhone 4S. That's what's coming up on this edition of Main Menu. I'm speaking once again with David Woodbridge here on Main Menu, and as usual, it's time to talk about new features of iOS, Apple's um, operating system for the iPad, the iPod, and the iPhone. So, David, welcome back to uh, Main Menu. Great. Thanks for having me back again. Let's just start by talking about um, the main features of iOS 5 as we know them today. First of all, I think one of the coolest things is um, what happens when you go into a store, pick up an iPhone or an iPod running iOS 5, and triple-click the home button. Yes, now this has actually been something I've been running for for a long time because, as we all know, with the Apple Mac, you can go into a shop, pick up a Mac, bring it home, or even in the shop, press Command key plus F5 and it runs VoiceOver. Well, now the default setting in iOS 5 will be, like you just said, pressing the physical home button three times, having VoiceOver on, which means when you get at home and or in the shop and you need to set up the iPhone for yourself or the iPad or the iPod Touch, you can completely do it independently. And the best thing of all, there's actually no PC as in Windows computer or Mac, required for that setup process. That is great news, actually. I'm, I'm excited about that as well. Now, iOS 5 is compatible with uh, iOS or iPhone 3GS. That surprises me a little bit, but that's good news, I guess. Mm. Um, I'm sure, and in fact, I understand that some of the features are not going to be available, correct, as far as you know? <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I, I probably assume so, but most of them, I'm assuming, will be available. So, so it's definitely the iPhone 3GS, the iPhone 4, the new 4S, and then the iPad, of course, 1 and 2, and the iPod Touch 3rd and 4th generations. So they'll all be able to run iOS 5. Um, I'm not too sure which features will and won't be on all the devices, but I can guarantee that, um, which we'll talk about later, the new Siri... Right. Personal recognition assistant will not be on any of those devices except the iPhone 4S. Right. I'm seeing some discussion on um, Twitter this evening, but you know, before we we spoke, and there was you know talk about why wouldn't it work on the iPad and that sort of thing. Do you have any thoughts on that, or or do you think, um, or do you just not want to speculate at this time? Yeah. Look, it's people are saying it's the same. You know, supposedly the same. You know, A5 chip. Uh, in the iPad that'll be in the um, iPhone 4S. I guess from Apple's point of view is that it's a feature that they rolled out initially on the iPhone 4S and one would assume that maybe later on down the track it'll be available for um, the iPad 3. Sure. Uh, because some of the speculation is, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't double-checked the tech specs, but... Some people are saying there's actually a lot more memory on the 4S than there is on the iPad 2. So the question is, besides having the extra grunt, 
as in chip-wise, there may not just be enough memory to run the voice recognition software. But but look, hey, I um, as soon as the iPhone 4S was available for pre-order, I was there about five minutes after it became live during my order. So moving on to what we know, iTunes Match is going to be initially available in the U.S., moving to other countries when available. Um, yes. Could talk to us about what iTunes Match is. Okay, this is iTunes Match is basically, let's say, like me, you've you've imported all your music into iTunes. So in my case, I've actually got a reasonably small music library compared to some people. I've got about two or 300 CDs, mm-hmm. and I've imported all of them into iTunes. And what will happen is when you do iTunes Match, it will look at your collection. It will then match it to the songs on the iTunes store because they've got a, you know 20 million songs on there. Mm-hmm. And they will upgrade your music to listen in better quality format. And you'll be able to access that music because it'll be a record in the iTunes cloud, if you like, that you own that music and you've got access to it. And you can access iTunes Match from any of your iCloud-based, that we'll get into a minute, um, you know, iOS devices. So people, some people are saying on Twitter that it's, you know, it's $24.99 a, a year, it's basically Apple's appeasing the music industry because people are saying, "Oh, well, look, you've got all this. If you've got this, all this ripped-off music, then you know Apple's basically appeasing the music industry by you know charging $24.99 a year, plus they'll probably pay them money." But you know, to me, is you know, it's legitimate that you actually have, and I do, and everybody has music on CD, and that you've imported into your computer. So, and that's why you do your playlists and everything else for. So. I think that you know that attitude is a little bit cynical, yeah. um, and I think it's a wonderful, convenient way to play and access your music, particularly if you get a, a better recording quality through the iTunes matching service. So when it comes to Australia, I'm certainly going to be signing up for it because um, some of the quality of the stuff that I've got could probably be a little bit better, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's a wonderful way. So I can be sitting outside and my iPad and my iPod Touch and my God knows how many iPhones and listen to my iTunes match iCloud musics. Be fantastic. Very good. PC free setup. That's another really uh, appealing thing to a lot of people um, not being tethered to iTunes when you first get your device. Well, at all, I guess. C- correct. And this is completely wi- wi- Wi-Fi free. Um, sorry, Wi-Fi free, computer free. There you go. <laughs> the exact opposite. I'm doing the exact opposite now. Um, so yes, yeah, so no longer do you have to plug in your dear old device into your PC or your Mac, because we've now got. Because remember before, you know, at the moment before with iOS four, even to activate VoiceOver, you had to connect it to your PC or your Mac or get somebody to start the turn on for you. Yeah. Well, because we've got triple click home, and then you run the PC wizard and start setting up all your stuff then, yeah, you don't actually have to go anywhere near PC or Mac. Mm. The only thing I'm not sure about, because I've had mine running already, is the fact that I noticed when I have connected my iPhone to iTunes, in the device section under your uh, summary tab, there's actually a checkbox that says, sync this device via Wi-Fi. Mm. And by default it looks like it's unchecked. Hmm. So I'm assuming then that what you can basically do is run iTunes 
on your PC or Mac, check that checkbox box, and then I'm assuming then somehow it will search for you on your current Wi-Fi network to see if there's actually an iOS device running. I, I did it. I didn't do it that way. What I did was I plugged my device in, the device in, on my my you know my touch, my iPhone and my iPad. I then went to the device, went to the summary tab, and I did check that checkbox on to do right. Wi-Fi syncing. So I'm not sure the first method, but um, you know people can certainly find out if it works or not. But definitely. You can sync all the stuff you can normally do via USB cable. You can do it through Wi-Fi. And but, it would it would make sense to me that a person might plug it into the computer when you first get an, a device and kind of make sure things are set up the way you want them. And then, but you know, you just don't have to do it as often, maybe. No, no, and it's also very cool that you know. Also, remember the fact that we've also got home sharing now too. So, I mean, that's been around for a while, but you know, I can access all the music I've got sitting on my iMac mm-hmm. um, and then I can also access all the stuff I've got sitting on my Mac here, my MacBook Pro, my Mac Mini, uh, all done via you know the home sharing as well. So not only do I have that, but I've also got the beauty of this you know, iTunes Wi-Fi syncing now, which is absolutely tremendous. And the, the other part of that, um, the, the PC free stuff is, of course, software update because, again, at the moment, you had to plug in your dear old device into iTunes and check for updates or now you can do it for the device from the software button in your settings panel Um, and again that's absolutely brilliant and um, at the moment I believe it's only done through Wi-Fi because you really don't want to be downloading a six or seven hundred megabyte file through a 3G data connection. Right. Now if you're running iOS 4.0 or 4.x as you know most of us are going to be when you first go to iOS 5 are we going to have to plug in to the to the computer to get that upgrade first yes okay that's yes, kind of what i assumed so iOS 5 was was, was will be released on the so October the 12th mm-hmm. and then uh, and so us in Australia we'll get it the day later and then it will be yes you when you plug your device in you check for updates so it'll automatically check for you and say you've got an update waiting iOS 5 you go ahead and install it and then for that time on off you go and set up all your you know, your iTunes Wi-Fi syncing, the soft, you check for software if you want to, you can do um, the iCloud, which we'll get into in a minute, all sorts of, all the internet-based stuff that we couldn't do before with iOS 4. So iCloud store, uh, store music, photos, apps, books, mail, contacts, calendars, documents, music, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, now this is, this is the exciting bit because this is all done in the background. Once you four set this up, um, and it does require, at the moment, an Apple ID. That's an email address. Okay. And this is something that I believe that Apple is really going to have to look at because my main Apple ID that I've got all my iTunes and apps and iBooks on is not an Apple ID that's an email address, mm. which means all the 400 iBooks that I've purchased, my 900 apps that I've purchased, and goodness knows what else, I currently can't use that Apple ID on iCloud. Hmm. So you would imagine surely one day or if not sooner than later, they're going to have to say, if you've got a non-email-based Apple ID, this is how you can transfer it to make it into an email Apple ID for iCloud. Um, But basically, you can sign up on the device for iCloud and you can choose what you then want to use with iCloud. So you can choose whether you want your the mail, 
your contacts, your books, all that sort of stuff done through iCloud. Um, you get five gigs of storage for free to store your documents on. And you can also purchase more storage if you actually need to. Um, but it's really fantastic. I, um, when I signed up for it, uh, I had to reinstall my uh, iOS device again. And all I did was when I re-signed back into my iCloud Apple ID for when I was testing it, I got all my bookmarks back, my documents back, my email back. Everything just came back because it was all stored on the cloud. So I thought, yes, this is absolutely what this was all about. What Apple's also going to do is, of course, make those APIs available for iCloud for apps to take advantage of the iCloud service. So, for example, the iWork suite, which has got pages, numbers, and Keynote, that will work with the iCloud. So when you do a document on one device, it will appear seamlessly on another device. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about getting access to the document. It will just appear in the same application running on one of the other devices seamlessly. And I guess that's what Apple's all about. It's just this thing, all this stuff just happens in the background. Notification Center. This one really intrigues me as well. I know you've had a chance to play with this one. No more of those really annoying pop-ups that appear on the screen no. and kind of interrupt what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In fact, what I thought I might do, so rather than us just talking about all this stuff, I've actually got my iPhone in my hand. Okay. So I haven't got it running for a mix, but hopefully it'll, it'll pick up on the recording. Right. So if I take my finger to the status line. 1.22 p.m. Status bar item. Okay. And then I do a three-finger swipe down the screen. Notific Gosford. Currently 20 degrees. High 19. Low 12. Now that said notification center very quickly because it popped up very fast. Right. The first thing in the notification center is actually the weather. So nice. because I currently live in Gosford, that's the temperature in Gosford, of course, in Celsius. Mm-hmm. And now basically to move through the notification center, it's basically flick left or right or swipe left or right to move it through item by item. So if I do one finger flick to the right. Mail. Okay, that's the first heading. Mail. Flick to the right. Clear section. Button. That's the clear section for the clear mail section. Flick to the right again. And red. Barry Chapman. And red. And I'm just Twitter. flicking through. Jane. And red. All my notifications that I got in mail. If I keep going. Okay, there's my messages notification. Flick to the right again. Clear section. That's the clear section for the messages. Flick to the right again. And red. Chris Waller. Zip and red. Chris Waller. And red. If I keep going. Phone. And red. Phone. Okay, there's my phone notifications. And red. Chris Waller. And red. And red. And red. Clear section box car. There's good old boxcar. Oh, wow. <laughs> Lots of people that know about. Again. Yeah. And red. Boxcar. Timeline. And red. Boxcar. And red. Okay. And red. Keep going. And red. Reminder. Green that's, bin. That's reminders. That's my green bin reminder to put on my recycling. And then eventually you get down to the no- the dismiss notification center button. But if you don't want to do any of that, I can just do a two finger scrub. Messages. And I'll just escape items. out of the notification center. It looks like so, they've really made some good use of the uh, two-finger two finger scrub in this new version. They have, because you actually use it a fair bit now. Um, there's a, a few other commands that I'll go through uh, later on. But, yeah, the two-finger scrub or the escape command or the back command is actually very useful. But the notification center is fantastic because I can literally just sit there and, you know, I might be uh, Twittering or using a Facebook app and it will just 
it will read out the notification or it'll just beep on it, depending on how I've got it set up in the notification area. Right. And it doesn't interfere with anything. So I can then go to my status line, do the three finger swipe down. And what I normally do is each one of those clear buttons, I, I would normally clear those out. So when you double tap with one finger on the clear button, it'll say confirm. And then mm -hmm. you do one finger double tap again to confirm that you want to clear those particular notifications. But I thought just today to let you guys see what it's like. I just left all those sitting in there for the moment. Sure. But you can definitely. But that's, so anything that normally has a notification um, will come up in that notification area if you've set it up in the notification section in your settings panel on your iOS device. But I, yeah. I absolutely love this feature. Yeah, I can I can see where a person would fall in love with that very quickly. Now, the one exception, and I can kind of understand this, is that the battery level indicator at 20% and 10% still pops up, right? That's right, because I mean, and I think that makes logical sense because you don't want to be going <laughs> shyly along thinking, yeah, this is all cool, and my, my battery level's fine, and all of a sudden your, battery, your phone dies on you right? because you actually haven't heard the, the notification saying 20% remaining. So I, I think the 20% and 10% is good. The other thing, and I haven't tried this, but the thing that used to really irritate me on Skype with notifications with iOS 4 is that if you got a notification coming in that popped up a dialog box, it would stop Skype. Mm. Whereas now, because it just sits up in the notification bar, it actually doesn't affect Skype. You can keep talking as far as I know. Right. So that's one big improvement. And, of course, when you're playing a game, it doesn't interfere with your gameplay as well. Exactly. Yeah, so if you're playing Stem Stump or, you know, RFI purely for evaluation purposes, right. then, um, um, then you uh, don't get disturbed. It's fantastic. Excellent. Mm. Uh, another thing that I'm looking forward to, and I've actually spent a little bit of money and a little bit of frustration trying to find something that really met my needs, but that's the Reminder app. Yes, now this one's actually very, very cool again. I keep saying everything's very cool with Apple. It's very sad. It looks like it uh, is, yeah. Yeah, look, it's very straightforward. Basically, um, you've got an app on your main iPhone screen called Reminders. You go into it, and then it's got your existing reminders, a whole list of them, and you can check them or uncheck them as you actually finish them or you have to remind yourself about them. But when you go and set them, um, you basically can set to be reminded uh, at a certain time. So you can do, you know, remind me at 8 p.m. on the 28th of October. Um, you can do have the reminders repeat. So, for example, because I always forget to take out the recycling every fortnight for the garbage, and I've got a reminder set every fortnight to remind me the night before to take out the recycling bin. Mm -hmm. um, I've also got a reminder that, you know, once a month I've got to give my guide, my guide dog a heart wound tablet. Um, just little helpful reminders that don't need to be part of your calendar. Sure. And the, the reminders just pop up on the notification bar. And because they've got voiceover on, it reads them out automatically. But the other really cool thing about reminders is that it's what's called, you can set a, a geofence around a particular area. So, for example, I can set a reminder that says, when I get to work, I must remember to ring a certain person. So when I come into the GPS location of work, that mm -hmm. reminder will pop up because I'm at that GPS spot. That and is that's, very uh, nice. Yeah, so that's actually very, very cool. So I've actually tried that a few times, and it's actually worked really nicely. So the, the Reminder app has actually turned me into a much more efficient person because with the calendar on iOS, I mean, yes, it's all accessible, but 
you sort of got to, it's a little bit involved sometimes to interact with all the different parts about, you know, setting the calendar and the reminder and everything else. Whereas this thing, it's a response, it's the reminders app, it's very clean, there's not much stuff on the screen. You go through it, you do it, and you get on with it. So it's very quick. And of course, now with Siri that we'll talk about later, it'll mm-hmm. be even easier to set a reminder for yourself with your voice. But the Reminders app is extremely useful. It's one of those apps that I know and I am using all the time now. Yeah. From the home screen, would you press the home button a couple times or press it twice? Um, You get access to some different uh, items, correct? Yeah, yeah, so basically if if I lock my iPhone screen... Screen locked. Okay. And, excuse me, now if I do a a two-finger press of the... Home button, one, one, two. Um, Christopher Ride, volume. Okay, so if I just flip back to the top. Mm-hmm. 1.30. Okay, so we got a, so on a normal lock screen, we would get the time normally, which is 1.30. That's how we're doing this recording. Previous track, button. But then we also get podcast, a, a podca- podcast controls, jeez. <laughs> we also get iPod controls. So we've got previous. Play. Button. Play. Next track. Next Button. track. Screen and locked. I'm going to flick again. Oops, that just locked me again. Let me just unlock it again. 1.30. Okay. Previous track. Play. But next track. Volume. 100%. Volume. Adjusted. Christopher Ride. The Schumann Frequency. Unabridged. Part That's the name of the actual audio book I'm just listening to. Click it again. Unlock. Take Oops. unlock. So the unlock button. But one more. Take picture. Button. Is the take picture button. So you can actually get access to the camera directly right. so you don't have to go into the camera app you can actually go straight to it by just basically a silent person would very quickly press the home button twice and tap on the camera button sure. and of course i mean i was just flicking through then but of course once you get to know where the buttons are you can touch them directly right it's just that i was basically flicking flicking through from the top to the bottom but that's very cool so basically you get access to your time and date your ipod controls the camera and the volume without actually having to unlock your, 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 your iOS screen. And they'll go for the iPad, the iPod Touch, and the iPhone. And I've already used that quite a lot already, particularly if I'm listening to a, a podcast. Um, it comes in very handy that I don't have to unlock the phone, mm-hmm. um, go through my PIN number, which is to, to unlock the phone properly, and then go into the application. I can just press the home button twice, and start playing my iPod, or my wife can quickly tap on the camera button if she wants to take a quick picture. Sure. And the other really cool thing about the camera uh, itself is that when you're in the the camera application, if you hold down the volume up button, it also takes a picture. So nice. you don't yeah. have to take, you don't have to find the button to take the picture. Mm-hmm. You just hold the volume up button in, and hey presto, you've taken a photo. Right. Which again is very cool. So the they're really making it more and more streamlined that you don't have to, you know, go through an app and you don't have to go through all this process just to take a photo quickly. Sure. Uh, but that, that lock screen, every time I go back to my um, other iPhone, I've still got iOS 4 on there, I think, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I know I, I like iOS 5 so much. Right. Another, I'll use the term now, another really cool feature is going to be iMessage. Let's talk about that just a bit. Yeah, so iMessage is basically for people that um, they basically don't have a 
an iPhone. So, for example, um, so, the, so the, the way it basically works is that iMessage is, is to another iOS device. And in the settings on your, on your iPhone, you can set it up so that if, if that, so if it knows that it can send an iMessage to somebody else through data, then it won't use SMS. It'll just use the iMessage through data to get to the other iOS device. But it also means that if you're using a, an iPad Wi-Fi only or an iPod Touch Wi-Fi only, you can send an iMessage to somebody that's got an iPhone because it's all part of the iOS network. Okay. Which means I, my children that um, they're taking the SIM cards out of their um, their iPod their, out of the iPhone three GSs right. could send me an iMessage. And I will get that. So it's interesting because when you send, a, when you when you go and basically you go into the message app, you choose who you're going to send it to, but the the title of the page actually doesn't. It actually says iMessage, hmm. and the and the actual where it normally says message for the the SMS message on the on the text field. It actually says iMessage. Okay. So you actually know you're actually sending it. So really, you actually don't have to think about the fact that. You know, do I have to choose to send an SMS or an iMessage? Um, it will just default, if it can, to iMessage. Mm-hmm. And where it can't send it because it knows that you know, it's not a valid, you know, I guess an, an iOS address that it's sending it to, it will then automatically turn it into an SMS message. So I think that's going to be a tremendous feature because now people, because one of the things that people always just whinge about having an iPod Touch was the fact they couldn't SMS anybody. Right, um, and now you know, iMessage people. I mean, I know it's still within the iOS, Apple Garden type stuff, sure. but geez, it's 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 absolutely fantastic. Where it, it sort of brings the iPod Touch um, into a line with all the other iOS devices now. Yeah. So when you're first setting that up, does it um, just immediately take you to your contacts, or do you just um, kind of like if you're gonna like if I'm using my iPod Touch and I want to send an iMessage to my wife's phone, would I just type in the phone number or how would I? Yep, yep. just type in the phone number. Yep, cool. so you would do it, well, type in the phone number, you go to the, you know, the address the address book and right. select your wife's name. Gotcha. Um, now, I don't quite know how it works out that whether it's going to be a valid iMessage or not. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming maybe it actually tries the iMessage protocol first and if that fails, then I'm assuming that it switches back to SMS mode. Sure. Um, but you would imagine that there's no SMS mode on an iPod Touch because you don't have the 3G card in there. Right. So I'm assuming that then that would probably fail, but I, I haven't tried it yet. But I know when I've been playing with it, it it's always defaulted to iMessage. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but in, in the little panel that you set it up with, with iMessage, it actually does talk about when you wanted to default it to SMS or not. Wow. Um, so it, it actually doesn't do all that, but by default, it seems that it defaults just to, to the straight iMessage service. Right. So, and I haven't played with the fact is if you don't want to use iMessage at all, how do you then just send a normal SMS message? But I guess as we can become more, <coughs> excuse me, I guess we become more used to playing with this sort of stuff, we'll, we'll learn all the idiosyncrasies about when you can and when you can't. Exactly. Now, what, one of the things that um, I think I misunderstood a little bit as we were you know, beginning to learn things about iOS 5, especially those of us who were not playing with uh, d- development, um, you know, different, different betas of it, 
I thought maybe that all of the Twitter apps were going to be replaced, but as I am kind of looking over your notes that you've let me look at, it looks like that there's just more Twitter integration um, that you yeah. can store information related to the apps that you use. Go ahead and explain that to us. That's right. So basically, what it does in that in that Twitter in the Twitter section in settings now is you basically put your username and password in there, and then any other application that then wants to use your Twitter ID, as in your username and password for your account, mm-hmm. won't it, it won't require you to keep putting in your credentials all the time. So once you've got that Twitter set up in your iOS five. Anytime you install things like Twitter itself or Twitlist or any other Twitter-based application, it, and if, it, if, it can, if it's actually set up to do it, it will use the credentials already sitting in iOS 5 to use your username and password automatically. And then plus we've got other stuff integrated into, excuse me, into iOS. So, for example, when you take a photo, mm-hmm. you can tweet that photo out to somebody else or, uh, or you can tweet about it. When you're in um, Safari, for example, you can tweet something in Safari. So what they've really done is they've integrated quite a lot of different apps into using the Twitter integration as well. So it's not just the fact that it's your username and password in there. It's the fact that with Safari and other applications, um, you can tweet directly from that application. You don't have to come out or go through your multitasker and go back to your Twitter application. You can do it all from within the application that you're currently sitting in. And of course, the two big ones are, you know, Safari and um, and the the photo application that you can do it in as well. Okay. And I'm assuming as I'm assuming as we move further down the path, there'll be more and more apps that will actually allow us to do that. Just tweet from within inside the application. Sure. Mm. No, it's busy. but but you're right. I thought, hang on a minute, they're replacing Twitter yeah. with their own application. But no, it's 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 purely Twitter integration. So newsstand, um, all new subscriptions for magazines and newspapers from the app store, uh, they get placed into this newsstand folder, right? They do, and it's a great way to find it. Uh, now, as of as I remember, we were talking about this. It's not active at the moment, um, or at least it hasn't been active for me in Australia. So I've currently got a, a new stand folder that's got nothing in it. Hmm. But what they're saying is basically when you sub- subscribe to a, a magazine or a newspaper, that's where those subscriptions will appear. And you can also use uh, you know, some of the icons in there to also go to the store and actually purchase the subscriptions to a particular newspaper or magazine. So. It just makes it a lot easier to find it. Now, what I'm interested in looking at when that's available and people play of it is it still doesn't mean that having access to something necessarily means that it's going to be accessible or not. Right. So I think that's going to be crunch time. It's, it's all well and nice to be able to find it nice and easily. You just go to your newsstand folder and there they are. But we've still got the issue of how accessible will those things be to you know people that particularly use voiceover. So that still remains to be seen. So I'll be I'll be very disappointed if it's not. But hopefully um, the publishers have behaved themselves, and we can we can access that content in those subscriptions. Absolutely. Now in Safari, you can use the read button to read an article if it's identified. Or, or... Yep. Basically, if you're reading a, a, a say a, a newspaper website. And it's got an article on there. It might be an, an article about anything you like. Um, I'll actually, 
what VoiceOver will actually indicate to you is it'll say reader available. And what ha- what that means is that the, the, the read button has appeared uh, on the top of the screen that you can tap to then basically reformat that article into a more readable version on your device. So if it's an iPad, it'll reformat it for the, I- the iPad screen. If you're on an iPhone and iPod Touch, it'll reformat it for that. But the other really nifty, nifty feature is the fact that you can then bookmark mm-hmm. that article in your reader list folder to, for reading it later. So you can think, oh, gee, that's a really interesting article. I don't have time to read it now or I want to keep it because it's actually it's described something extremely well that I might want to go back to and read later. Then once you've added it to your, you know, your your reader list, you can go back through your bookmarks button, get to your uh, reader list folder, and then read the articles in there that you previously bookmarked. And I've actually been using it quite a lot. I um, in Australia, I tend to read a lot on the Sydney Morning, Sydney, Sydney Morning Herald website, mm. and they've got lots of articles there all the time, and are always bookmarking stuff. And of course, you can delete them, of course, but mm-hmm. it's just a it's a nice way because then you haven't got to worry about headers and hyperlinks and all the other content on the page that you might accidentally get to, all you're reading is the article, which is lovely from a screen reader point of view because you've got rid of all the extra stuff that you don't need to worry about. It's just the article properly formatted that you can just, I mean, I basically just do the two fingers, swipe up the voiceover and just uh, sit back and listen to the article from top to bottom. It's actually very nice. Right. Mm. There's some the renaming of some icons. For example, the iPod icon replaced by the music icon, uh, with videos now having its own i um, icon Correct. app. Right. Okay. That's right. So it, it sort of brings it into line with um, you know what the iPod Touch does already, and uh, and what the iPad does already too. When the iPad has its own video app, if you like, and and, and music for your iPod iPod. So basically. What will happen now is that on your dock down the bottom, where you've normally got phone, mail, Safari, and iPod, it'll now read phone, Safari, sorry, phone, mail, Safari, and music. Mm. And then if it's a brand new phone, of course, um, that the the video app, if you like, icon will be on the second screen. Okay. Um, so if I touch the bottom of my screen, I've got just unlock my phone. Slide to unlock. Okay, so if I've opened up my home screen now, so if I touch the bottom right-hand side. Music. Okay, there's my music icon. Now if I do a flick to the left, which of course moves the screen to the right. Mm-hmm. Page two of ten, videos. There's my videos, one at the top of that screen. Okay. And of course, so in, so in videos, that's where you'd have your video podcasts, your movies, your TV shows, all that sort of stuff. So they're two separate things now. So rather than everything being bundled under the, your iPod application, it's now music and, and video now. But all your traditional stuff like your music, um, your podcasts, your audio books, that sort of stuff, is still one, all under your music icon. Okay. But Which actually makes more sense because, because, because using, I also use an iPad. <clears throat> when I want to go and watch a movie, I've always gone to my video app on the, on, on the iPad so it does make perfect sense to bring everything in to be consistent. 
there's a lot we can talk about. Let's go ahead and um, let's just kind of move on to Siri, actually. Let's go ahead and, and uh, yep. get right into probably <clears throat> one of the most just amazing, awesome things that's coming. Yeah, now look, this is this. I mean, the, for all the demonstrations have been on the, the the internet about Siri. Basically, Siri is your personal assistant that you control purely via your voice. And it's not just voice recognition; it's an actual artificial intelligence system. So you can do and ask it lots of questions. So, for example, you can say things like, "How many days are there until Christmas?" Mm-hmm. And it actually uses text to speech to feedback to you what the answer is or another prompt that might be asking you um, some of the demonstrations though it seems though that it won't read out all the information on the screen so for example one of the demonstrations was things like <coughs> excuse me <coughs> one of the demonstrations was like tell me how many tell me how many Mexican restaurants there are near me and it comes back and says uh, these are the Mexican restaurants I have found, or there's eight Mexican restaurants. What it doesn't do is read that out to you. Right. Okay, so I'm assuming then you would have to use then your normal gestures on the iPhone then to read that information on the screen. Or if you say, um, tell me about Neil Armstrong, mm-hmm. it'll come back with, uh, you know, this is the information about Neil Armstrong but it won't read the rest of the screen to you. So again, you have to use your gestures. So there are a few things in it that I think, geez, maybe it was just the demo, but if they just stretched the text switch a little bit further, yeah, then it, it would then be truly hands-free for both voice input and voice output. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's, you know, it's early days. Um, uh, you know, the more I get used to it, I guess the more we'll find out what it, what it does and doesn't do. But, the thing that I was alluding to earlier on was the fact that you can say, and this is going to remind you, you can say, uh, remind me at 6 p.m. tomorrow to take out the recycling bin. Yeah. And it will put in the reminder. You don't have to go and use the reminder app. Or I can say, check my check to see if I've got an appointment at 12 p.m. on Friday the 13th or something like that. And again, so you don't have to go into the calendar app and use it. You just get Siri, and Siri will come back and say, you know, it's available. Now you've got an appointment. You can also say, move my 2 o'clock appointment to 3 o'clock. Or which I find very nice is when you go to bed at night time and you're really tired and you think, oh, God, do I really want to go and turn my alarm on? You can say, wake me up at 6 a.m. Exactly. And they're the the sort of things that I'm really looking forward to because – they're the things that you think, you know, it's really almost Star trek in a way that you think this is the way a person should use a computer, that you just tell it what you want and it goes and does it for you. <laughs> That's funny because I was thinking Star Trek and I have not said that to a single person. The thing that excites me is um, to be able to, I, you know, I assume to say, you know, do I have an appointment on October 14th and it will tell me yes or no. You know, set an appointment for 7 p.m. October 14th for, to do such and such, and I'm assuming it will also enter information like that into your calendar. Correct. And what it also does, so, and it's it's natural, it's natural language. So you, mm-hmm. rather than saying, you know, can you tell me the weather, you can say, will I need a raincoat today? Wow. So that's definitely natural language. But the the really cool one that I love the demonstration of, and this this happens to me all the time. Somebody SMSs you and says, 
are you available for an appointment next Friday? And you think, oh, God, now I've got to go and check my appointment. I've then got to check it. Then I've got to get back to you. And then we've got to decide what we've got to do with so on and so on. Yeah. With the demonstration that I heard online, it was, you know, it's you, it says, you know, message from so and so. You can say, read message, and I'll read you the message. Mm-hmm. But then the logic tree is fantastic because then you can then you can say to Siri, check my appointments for 12 p.m. on the 31st of October, and Siri will come back and say you have no appointments on that date time. But then the nice thing you can say is reply to message. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can make that appointment. Let me know your confirmation. Yeah. So it's actually followed the logic tree. So because you can imagine just a normal voice recognition, if you just said replied 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 to somebody's name mm-hmm. i could make it a, a system would go well who the hell are you replying to but, <laughs> yes but because it's actually followed the logic from receiving a message to checking your appointments to replying back to that message that's what i mean it's really getting into the area of artificial intelligence because it's looking through the logic tree of what you're doing and interacting with the with the application yeah and that to me is really cool it does use data so that when you're doing uh, voice dictation, because now next to your so wherever your on-screen keyboard pops up, you'll have a little um, a little Siri button. I mean, I don't know what it's called yet, but I'm assuming it'll be called Siri or microphone or, or mic or something. Mm-hmm. That you hold it, dictate in. It sends the dictation off to Apple servers, and then it comes back with the uh, the dictation on the screen for you. Um, so that's also very exciting. The other thing you can do, and I haven't tried this myself yet, but you can say, add to my note um, about visiting the vet next week, and then you can say what you want to add to the note. So you can actually dictate straight into the notes or take notes quickly yeah. and then go and refer to them later on. And what I'd love to see, and I guess this won't be in the current one, is wouldn't it be wonderful to sit there and say, can you run my Skype application for me, please? Or Someone else mentioned that on, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> I mean, I think and yeah. I can't see why they couldn't, because lots of times, you know, I'm sitting and I think, oh god, I've got to press you know double home button, go to my yeah. multitask switcher, and it's like, no, no, can't I just you know hold down the home button and say, run Twitter please, or run Facebook, or run Skype, or run Stem Stump, or do something else. So I think that would be very cool. So nobody's mentioned that, but I think that would be absolutely awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's obviously something we can all look forward to. Um, the only thing, other thing that I really want to mention um, before we, we quit is um, it looks like there's a lot of functionality added to Bluetooth keyboards. There, there is. So the, the major thing, thing about Bluetooth keyboards is um, a long time on the, well, not a long time, but with the Mac, <laughs> Mac and Lion Mac and Lion now, we've got single letter key navigation on web pages. Mm-hmm. So we can press, you know, H for header and B for button that Windows screen readers have had for a long, long time. But you can also use that now that navigation now with a Bluetooth keyboard on your iOS device. So when you go into a web page, you can, as long as you've got quick nav turned on, you can press H for header, B for bold. If you want to move backwards, you press the shift key like you do on a normal screen reader and mm-hmm. press shift H to go back to header. <coughs> So that's also very nice, but the really nice feature that, that I love is when you go on the web page now, you can press Control Option F for Find, mm-hmm. type in what you want to find, press the Enter key, and you can search for that text on the screen. If the first hit doesn't find it, 
Like you can do in VoiceOver on the Mac, you can press Control Option G to continue to search on the screen, or Shift Control Option G to go back the other direction. And that makes it a lot quicker to find information on the, on the screen. So that's a, that's quite great, another great thing. The third great thing, <coughs> excuse me, is the fact that you can use Item Chooser, and that's Control Option I for people that are very used to use it on the Mac, and that just brings up a whole list of whatever's on the screen in a straight list that you can flick down through, or at the top of the screen you can type in a search to find mm. out what you want to find on the screen. Um, so that's also very very handy Elevate as well. Bridge. And then of course you can also now with the new function available in VoiceOver, you can label anything on the screen through custom label. And on the um, on the excuse me, it's my phone talking to me. <laughs> on the on the touch screen, if you want to label something on the screen, it's a two finger double tap and hold. Mm-hmm. On the there you go. Yeah, well, there you go. That's notification. That was actually notification going off automatically. That was my okay. wife calling me. Very good. So there you go. So notifications does work. <laughs> um, so basically, on the, on the iPhone with gestures, you can do a two-finger double tap and hold. It'll come up. You type in the label of the field, and you basically hit the OK or the Save button, and it will save that label for that control. And that can be anything. You can even rename all the the rename the icons on your phone. Mm. And, but normally you would use it when a button just says button. You can relabel the button as the go to or whatever else button. Right. But on the Bluetooth on the Bluetooth keyboard, it's Control Option Slash. So it is not the same on the Mac. Okay. And and the other nifty command is um, you can also do. Let's say using a Bluetooth keyboard, you want to get your notifications. You can do Control Option M for your status menu, and then Option Up Arrow will pull down the status. Of all your notifications, and then you just use, of course, your left and right arrow to move through your notification lists. Okay. So they really have improved the ability to really get a lot of use out of using that Bluetooth keyboard now. It's really fantastic. Absolutely. Now, in listening, I'm, I'm glad your notification went off because it made me think of a question that I had as I was reading through the notes. Um, obviously, I mean, it's you can actually have notifications read even when the screen is locked, which I think is awesome. But what if you're in a meeting and you have your phone muted, but you get a notification? Is VoiceOver still going to speak? It, it will. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a person might want to remember to either turn VoiceOver off or change that setting or something. That's right, because in the, in the control panel for VoiceOver, it's right down the bottom. It, it actually says speed notifications on lock screen. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you don't toggle it on, then no, it won't read the the, the notifications on your on your lock screen. So, right. um, but I've normally got mine on anyway. So, because I've normally got my phone turned down fairly low, or I'm, I've normally right. wearing a Bluetooth headset anyway. Right. Um, so all the speech is coming from my Bluetooth headset because I'm always monitoring my Twitter feeds and notifications coming in. So, but that's all sure. that's all fine. There's only one thing I, I wanted to really cover. I guess I guess finishing off a little bit is the fact that. They talk about the new premium voices now that you can use for voiceover. Yes. And it's a little bit odd, and I still haven't got to the bottom of it, but basically now if it's – I'll talk about the way it does it on the Mac, and then we'll talk about iOS. On the Mac, by default, you've got all these compact voices that sort of sound pretty horrible, mm-hmm. and then you can download from the you know the Mac App Store, if you like, via software update. The, the better sounding voices for Samantha and Karen and Lee and all those great voices from Nuance. Now, on the on the iOS side of things, they're basically using 
quite a number of those same voices. So we've got Samantha and we've got Karen and Lee. The British voice is actually Daniel and, and so on. But the the what what it's supposed to happen is there's an option that says use compact voices and it's a toggle, so you can choose not to have premium voices running or to use just a compact voices. But what they say in, in, what they say is that when you don't want to use the compact voice and you're using the premium voice, it will download the full version in the background. Mm-hmm. And what I'm interested in knowing about is, okay, so does it do that on 3G? Does it do it only on Wi-Fi? Does it only do it when your screen is locked and the phone's plugged into power? Mm. Um, and when do you suddenly realize that you're now using a compact voice versus a premium voice? Is it just because it actually sounds better? Yeah. Like, how, you know, how can you really determine that you well and truly are using um, the, you know, the premium voice? Because I've got so used to using, you know, Samantha and, and those sort of ones on my iPhone 4 with the, you know, iOS 4 running. Right. That sometimes I don't even realize when I switch between my 3GS and my um, iPhone 4, the only way I can notice any huge difference is more in the S's, the end of the like the S word. So Optus right. is a bit of a as a type sound at the word of the S, whereas the on the iOS five it's beautifully clear S sounds. That hmm. uh, we'll see. The, the, the problem is, I mean, you listen to so many speech. I mean, you've got speech on my Victor Stream, yeah. my PC, my Mac, my iOS device, my Plex Top Pocket, my talking radio. God knows what else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But look, it's um, it'll be certainly interesting. So, I mean, I've got, I mean, I'm assuming this is the, that voice you've been hearing on my... Um, so that voice... Very crisp, very clear. So it does sound extremely clear. Yeah. Um, but when I changed it to Daniel, and I assumed I was using the... So if I change it to Daniel now, I'm just going to do... Words. Speech rate, volume, hints, headings, language. Okay, and then let's switch to Daniel. Default language, U.S., South African, Irish, England. British English. Okay, that's British English. 3G, status now, bar Now, that item. still sounds fairy to me. Yes, Optus mm-hmm. Network, status bar item, 3G, status bar item. So, and even though that I chose Daniel um, like two days ago and I've had my phone plugged into Wi-Fi, that yeah. voice has not changed. Right. So mm. I don't, and that's what I'm, I've been sort of talking about. My default voice sounds extremely good, which is the Karen one. Right. But none of the other voices when I've switched them have seemed to have changed at all. So I don't quite know. And I've actually asked Apple this question. They're getting back to me. But for the moment, it sort of seems, yes, it's all nice being automatic, but I'd love to know how it, how it happens and how you would know that it has happened. Right. Yeah. Good question. So, yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens. But again, like with all this other stuff, with you know the iCloud and Siri and all this other really cool stuff that's you know coming into voiceover and so on, I, I guess time will tell. We'll see how we go down the track. But I'm I'm definitely going to do quite a lot of uh, podcasts on iOS. So I will be doing one on Siri using the iCloud, iTunes Wi-Fi syncing. Um, I'll definitely be doing, once I get to the bottom of how to manage your premium versus your compact voice business, yeah. I'll be definitely doing a, co- a podcast on that as well. So all the little nitty-gritty things that we've talked about today to say we're not quite sure how this all works, 
I'll be certainly doing that in a podcast later on down the track as well. And go ahead and remind listeners how they can get to your podcasts. Yep. So basically, there's basically two ways to get to my podcast. You can either do it through the Vision Australia website. So that's www.visionaustralia.org forward slash AT podcast. So that's podcast with an S. Or you can subscribe to my personal podcast feed through the Podbeam server. And that's www. Oops, no, scratch that one. HTTP colon slash slash David Woodbur. So it's D A V I D W O O D B R, as in David Woodbridge, dot Podbean. That's P O D B A N dot com forward slash feed. And you can get that through iTunes or stick the URL into your podcast catcher and mm-hmm. uh, listen to your heart's content. Um, so, yes, so I've I've probably finished a, a few of the Lion ones at the moment, so I intend to do lots and lots of iOS 5 ones as well. Well, I appreciate you taking the time with us. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to cover, and I'm sure we didn't. Uh, I'm I'm sure we didn't cover it all, but I think we got the highlights anyway. Is there anything that we need to c- cover before we uh, wind up, or is that about it? Look, I, th- I think that's about it. I mean, there's a few things extra to the road. I mean, the road has been named to the so the, the road has been renamed from the web router to the rotor, and we've got a few options now in um, the rotor now. So you've got headings now. So when you're in accessibility or any other system like a HTML page that's using headers, you can navigate by headers. So not just in web pages now, but in applications. Um, you've also got as you had when I was doing it, you've definitely got your, your speech there now and your language items in your rotor. So that's actually very good. The other probably thing that I, I love in iOS 5 is the fact that when you, you know when you go down to that little thing on the page that says page one of nine or page one of five or one of four, mm-hmm. what you could do now, if you do a two-finger rotate to adjust and then do one finger flick up and down, you can move by pages through your home screen. So rather than having to do your three-finger flick to the left and right to move by pages that way, which some people find quite hard, you can just go to that page one of XX control. Mm -hmm. Then, like I said, go to the just on your rotor and then one finger flick up and down. So that's actually a very tremendous feature now. What people notice in the accessibility panel now that it's absolutely different. They've extended it to vision, hearing, and and physical and motor now. So people can do their own custom gestures now to make it a lot more simple. If they've got hearing aids, to make it easier to work with hearing aids. So really, it's a, a truly a, a proper accessibility panel now. Before, it was sort of more to do with voiceover, large print, and a you know a bit of hearing stuff. But they really have extended the, the, the functionality of accessibility. So I, I'd urge people to go and have a look at that. So when you get your iOS 5 update, go into settings, general accessibility, and have a look at all the new features that are available. The label command and the item choose are a little bit hard getting used to because it's a two-finger double tap and hold for the label command, but it's a three-finger double tap for the item chooser. Okay. So that <laughs> took me a little <laughs> bit while to keep reminding myself. And the fact that, and I don't think we mentioned this, but it's nice now that when you've got an applications folder, it actually tells you how many applications you've got in your folder now. Mm, yes. So, so, for example, your utilities folder, or now say utilities folder, four items. With the new camera in in the iPhone 4S, it's got an 8 megapixel camera that will supposedly work a lot better in low light conditions, mm-hmm. which leads me to think that when we use apps like Zoom Reader 
and text grabber to do scanning and OCR, we may be getting better results with the camera in the in the iPhone 4S than we do in the iPhone 4. So as soon as I get my hands on my 4S, I'm really going to try out quite a number of the OCR applications to see now whether we well and truly get good OCR out of use of that camera now. So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, we, we've talked about iOS 5 a lot. Where, where do you think that things stand with Lion? I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. Some people love it, some people don't. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Look, I, I've i actually been using Lion extensively. To, to me, all the stuff that I do online, so the stuff I, I write on my documentation, I surf the internet, I use Twitter, Skype, um, I do all my podcasts and recordings online. Um, I do Daisy books. I do everything I do online. And to me, Lion's been fine. Yeah. I haven't noticed anything that I think, oh, God, let me go back and use Snow Leopard again. Um, and, I mean, uh, there, there are still the underlying features of VoiceOver that I wish we'd improve. So, for example, you know, PDF file access, which is probably a bit better. But I know, yes, we can use DocuScan and other things like that. But... Mm-hmm. I just wish it was more inherently built into the operating system. Um, we still can't access Microsoft Office on the Mac, and we can't do advanced word processing on the Mac still. So things like um, table, you know, table data entry, we still can't right. do properly. So, you know, a bit of highlighting and copying, bolding. Yes, you can do it, but it's not as straightforward as doing on the PC. So there are those little things that still give me the willies, mm-hmm. but. No, overall, there's no way that I would go back from line back to using um, well, Star Leopard, mainly because I, I love the saving versions. Um, I like the fact that you don't have to keep reopening up apps because normally when I'm working, um, I've normally got about nine applications open. So when I close down my Mac at the night and I reopen it again, I don't want to go through the bother of actually opening up all those things again because they're just there and I just work on the document that I've worked on the previous day. So... To me, Lion's been absolutely tremendous. I know some people have, have complained about the voices, the nuanced voices with the pitch and tone changing. That's not really, That's I guess it's an Apple issue in a way, but that's nuance um, with the text-to-speech. I tend to not use nuanced voices on, on my Mac. I love them on the iPhone and, the, and the, on the iPad, but I just tend to use good old Alex. I mean, he's been there for, since, um, you know, good old Leopard, so... He's been fine, so the speech, all the speech issues, don't really affect me that much. Right. But no, I mean, as a as a long time Apple user, um, Lion to me is is fine. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to visit with us, and um, once again, we've been visiting with David Woodbridge of Vision Australia about all the new features of iOS five here on Main Menu. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.